Hello and welcome to BakaCast for the third week of the summer 2017 anime season. I'm your host Dustin and with me today is Larry. Hello, it's hot. And Ben. Hi there. As always, you can find show notes at www.audioentropy.com or at www.projectharuhi.net. And, uh, oh yeah, also Aaron's here too. I didn't even bother introducing him because he never talked anyway, so. He never talks till it's important. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, he'll, he'll have plenty of time to talk on this episode when we get to one of his favorite shows uh, ever. Um, um, I'm but, sure. But first, let's start with My Hero Academy, episode 28. Uh, <laughs> which is, you know, more training sequence. Well, partially more training sequences with uh gran torino and deku which is good um until the food gets spilled on the floor yeah i feel like there's not a whole lot to really get in depth with on this episode because it's a lot of like training montages (laughs) to be perfectly honest it's like all right we deku uses his brain to almost defeat uh almost get a hit on gran torino and like we cut to some of the other heroes training, the funniest of which is Best Genus trying to give uh, Bakugo a haircut, and it's just not working. I tried to co- he tried to comb him and straighten him out. And he just immediately went back to poof. Yeah. So. Uh, and then you have uh, Itsuka and Momo like just standing around watching their trainer do a photo shoot, and it's like. Ah, well, one of you is one of my favorite characters on this show, and you're being completely and utterly misused. (laughs) It's like, we really have to do this. What's that, a female character in a shonen series being ignored? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I initially had hopes for My Hero Academy, and, like, they're still better than a lot of other shonen shows, but... Yeah, they've slowly been it's slowly been getting worse and worse about utilizing its female characters other than Uraraka and Sue. No, it's like, funny. They're kind of the only two who are getting respect these days. I didn't even know that was a female character. I simply assumed and was correct. <laughs> Based upon the situation that you said. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, it's not like they'd ever put a male character like in a photo shoot. So let's get um, let's get to the important part where uh, Stain and and the guy with the hand across his face uh, are sitting there yanking back and forth. Yeah, Stain is such like a friggin' like '90s era image comics design for a villain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's super good. <laughs> He's a man who swords good. And he's definitely He's got like he's got like three scarves wrapped around his face. <laughs> we still don't know what his quirk is though. At least yeah, we, we found uh, out the other guy's quirk is decay, which I kind of found I, interesting when he grabbed the sword and it just kind of went to powder. Yeah. We kinda knew his quirk was decay from the previous season though, where he used it against his fight with uh All Might when they interrupted the hero training. Um, we do know that part of part of Stain's powers is being able to immobilize people. That's not entirely sure how. Yep. Um, then we've got some, like, internal monologue with uh, 
Ida, where he's like, I must use these powers of mine to defeat Stain, and then his mentor is like, hey, I know you, I know you joined up with me so you could, like, find Stain's. But, like, I just want to let you know, if you use your powers in the pursuit of personal vengeance, like, that's kind of a crime. So, you know, just warning you. Yeah. <laughs> you can't go all Punisher on people. Chill out on the vengeance thing. Yeah, and I, it's a good episode. I liked it um, for the most part. Like, I didn't really... Again, I didn't care for the whole, like, oh, the two of the female characters are just basically non-entities at this point. Um, but also, there's not a whole lot to talk about. It's largely, like, the plot happens. Ida ends up <laughs> staring Stain down. So, yeah, I give it a four. Yeah, I mean, I like the reveal that, you know, they have a bunch of those sort of quirk weapons the manufactured weapons of like different types and they have pretty sweet designs um and it, it was cool to see gran torino do some like actual fighting uh but yeah Ida's gonna Ida's definitely gonna get his butt kicked uh in the next episode like he is he's gonna be seriously humbled <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yep me thinks that too yeah i think yeah it's just like yeah i it's a shonen, but the execution is rock solid. Yeah. Every time I see the ending, though, I, like, legit kind of want a fantasy version, a fantasy AU of both of My Hero Academy. It's like, I see that ending, I'm like, actually, this is good. <laughs> um, but anyway, I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll do, like, a gag manga that's just literally that. Uh, yeah, so I'll... Hmm. Yeah. What you were going to say? I'll give it a four. I'm kind of ranking it down again for its kind of use of some of the female cast. I'm not crazy about, but otherwise, pretty solid episode. Just not a whole lot to really get in depth on. I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Two fours and a five. Sounds good. All right. Now, Virgin Soul. Baha 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 Soul. Episode 15. This was super good. Um, I really enjoyed sort of the way that they get back up to heaven, which is by Nina's grandmother going like, all right, this is about as far as I can go, and then just chucks the carriage into the sky. <laughs> yeah, you got to watch some Elder Dragons. Also, I totally forgot that Lucifer was a character in this show, in, in in Baja Soul, until this episode. Like, when he showed up at the beginning, I'm like, oh, right, yeah, he was in season one for, like, two scenes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh... <clears throat> yeah, he's chilling, he's chilling in hell, waiting for, uh... Basically, waiting for the king to, uh... Self-destruct. Yeah. Yeah, Lucifer's like, it's cool, guys. Just like, just let the humans do their thing, and they're just gonna like step in there, like they're just gonna, gonna trip over themselves, and then we can crush them. Also, I'm kind of busy reading these books and looking very pretty, so I don't have time to fight the humans right now. And they were all like, "You're right, Lucifer. You do look very pretty." 
So meanwhile, back in heaven. Yeah, back in heaven, uh, we have Nina gorging herself on like angel tree fruits. Works for me. The girl's got an appetite. We've known this from episode one. Also, Bacchus and his duck attempt to console Elle to very little success. Mm-hmm. Until Jean d'Arc shows up. Yeah, so the kind of the focal point of this episode and what everything was leading up to was Jean finally meeting back up with her son. Um Though there was a good moment, like, before that where they meet, like, with the Glasses Angel, and the Glasses Angel shows this this room of, like, a bunch of floating lights, and Nina's like, oh, this is rad, this is super pretty, and the Angel's like, yeah, those are, well, this is a room representing all the gods that died when Bahamut reawakened, and Nina's like, oh. (laughs) Oops. Yeah, and Jean's like, yeah, I killed, I killed a few of those people. Yeah, indirectly, I killed a few. Yeah, Jean's kind of got a got this murderous side to her that she's keeping well hidden. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so they finally meet up with L, um, and kind of the twist to this episode is that. L is not the precious good boy that he used to be. Um, kind of all the terrible things that humans did to him has kind of warped him into an angel of vengeance. That uh, Gabriel is kind of more than happy to encourage because Gabriel. Yeah, you shouldn't trust Gabriel. Basically, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean G- Gabriel would be would hand him the sword and tell him how to stab him in the back and twist on the way through. Yeah, so now Ella's so now John's like, okay, sweet, I'm back with you. We can leave this behind us. We can all relax now. And Elle's like, no, I want to kill all the humans. And John is like, Ex- excuse me. Yeah, it's like, wait, 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 wait a minute, son. We need to talk about this. You just can't go storming off and vaporizing the planet. <laughs> sure, I can't watch. Yeah, and even and even like the the one of the other angels, the one with the. Uh, purple hair is like look l you're, you're not ready for this it's so and i was like you were the one who sicked me on the humans in the first place and so now i'm gonna finish the job because i'm the only one with the power to do it so now now l has gone crazy face and we'll just see how which much... is it which is not a direction i thought they were going in but it's an interesting one that kind of makes sense considering l has spent most of his life with very little agency kind of like just trying to survive amid a world that constantly wants to destroy him and now that he's finally gotten like his power back he's like yeah i'm gonna murder these people because screw them they're the worst yeah a little power hungry and we still don't know where favro ended up yeah i'm he'll probably show up yeah eventually be yeah, inter- be interesting if he, it'd be interesting if the blast cast him into heaven and they find him laying around in heaven. Favro Favro's power is like showing up at a at the most extremely plot convenient moment possible. So he's basically a shonen protagonist. Yeah, like a shonen protagonist 
Except, like, he doesn't get any of the respect or screen time of a shonen protagonist. <laughs> and we still don't know if Rita has found uh, Kaiser yet. Oh, I'm... If anyone can do it, Rita can. Right. I- I'm sure we'll see more of her in the next episode. Well, for this episode, I give it a big five. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I especially like the bit when, uh, <clears throat> when, uh, when, when Nina, when Nina shows up and Bacchus and, uh, Hamza, the duck, are like, oh, going, yeah. They're like, uh, Nina! And, like, Nina just, like, passes, passes them by to go and hug Elle. Yeah. And they're like, well, what about us? Didn't you love us? Yeah. And so, you all right. Know, and, you, and you bribe Bacchus with wine, of course. If you want him to do anything, yeah. dangle a bottle of wine in front of him. All right. So let's talk about Fate Apocrypha, episode three. Guys, this is only the second time that they've that they've opened with the whole Astolfo being like weirdly groped by there which by the way apparently Astolfo's gender is like a mystery so uh I'll just be calling them they from now on uh Astolfo's female are you sure because I I was told that Astolfo was not uh hold on I mean I will continue I will check it up but yeah Okay, in fact, the uh, the wiki here, the Typhoon wiki, actually says male. Hmm. Yeah, so, um, but anyway, yeah, so this, uh, once again, they open it with the Astolfo's female master, like, doing weird sex things with him, which apparently just mo- only consists of, like, licking his chest, which... Alright. I'm not sure why you stripped down to your underwear for that, but... Like, the... It's so dumb. I hate it. it. Like, it serves absolutely no purpose. Yeah, yeah, it's completely worthless. It doesn't add anything other than, ooh, aren't we shocking? It's like, no, you're just dumb. Um... Yeah, so thankfully that only lasts like maybe 10 seconds, and then we get to the actual interesting part, where hey, the Apocrypha universe also has homunculuses. Irish, I, Iris, no, not, hold on. Yeah, Iris Veal style. Except yeah. this one's a dude. <laughs> yeah, well, if you notice back in the, the container thing, they have males and females. Yeah, yeah. Which they, is kind of weird, yeah, we all... because you think it wouldn't matter. And it'd be easier just to go from one general copy. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they were, like, trying on different bloodlines, maybe? Who knows? Like, making clones of different magic bloodlines to see which one would more easily make a homunculus. Look, man, I don't know how Type Moon works. <laughs> okay. I just go with it. Um... But yeah, so he gets out and then Astolfo finds him and just brings him back to the house like a like he found a rescue dog or something. <laughs> well, he brings her to to Chiron's room. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so then Astolfo and Siegfried talk about the homunculus some and it's like, "Oh yeah, they're they're just magic circuits." 
and stuff. And we basically go over what a homunculus is in case you haven't watched Fate Stay Night or forgot Fate Stay Night, which, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you tried to forget Fate Stay Night. <laughs> Honestly. Well, they went over homunculi more in Fate Zero <clears throat> than Fate Stay Night. Really? Like, I knew, I knew, I knew that, like, uh, Kuritsugu's wife was a homunculus, but I didn't, re I didn't remember them going them, for some reason I remember them going over what a homunculus was in more depth in Fate Stay Night than in Fate Zero, but I, it's been so long since I've seen Fate Zero. Yeah, everything's blending together. Yeah. I do like the scene afterwards where we see Jean in a really good suit getting, like, hitchhiking in the back of a pickup truck. <laughs> like Jean, Jean has very much like the the Artor, the Artoria like business suit on, except she's got a mini skirt instead of like the pants, or not mini skirt like short shorts. <laughs> I really like fast forwarding slightly uh, after the the fight with Jean there, and she goes back to get her suitcase. And it's just all strewn over the place. And you just see her as John, just kind of like, oh. Uh, dang it, my clothes. Those were good clothes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Also, is this guy that, he's Caster, right? Caster of the Red? Which one? Who? Um, who who is this guy? Come, the dude that comes out to fight John and Siegfried and has, like, the wicked... Like uh, golden Karna? suns as Black. like shoulder pieces. Uh, no, Karna he, is Lancer of the Red. Oh, he's Lancer of the Red. Okay. Yeah, he looks like a caster. Yeah, caster is the guy. Caster is actually the guy who's uh, running the homunculus operation. Oh right, yeah. But well, man, ca this caster dude's... of the black. This caster dude's of outfit the red is... is the one that's at the church. Oh, um, all right, that is sure. Okay, so Lancer Red's outfit is wild, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm not even sure what's going on with this cape, to be perfectly honest. It's like a cape-shoulder-pad combo. Don't worry about it. Looks like something you'd get in WoW. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then Siegfried, Siegfried shows up, and then we get Siegfried's backstory, where, like, the hot, where, like, the ruling class didn't like the Siegfried just gotten so popular, and they're like, we're gonna murder Siegfried. Siegfried was like, if me dying could bring our nation peace, then I will die. It's like, alright, whatever, Siegfried. <laughs> it's like, I, I like your design, but also you're very protagonist. <laughs> um, so they have, so Siegfried and Karna have a pretty cool battle, and the animation on here is really nice and all. And like, it's fine, I guess. Uh, it's pretty fun, but also the important part here is when Mordred finally shows up again with her master, and she does that thing where, like, she rolls around on the ground being like, ah, I'd be so lonely, and she's great. Also, there's Karna Stage 3 from uh, Fate Go. Oh god, I can't wait to see what the hell this is, how ludicrous this is. Okay, so he just straight up loses the cape, gains like a... He he basically becomes a Yuri on Ice character, but with more murder and a lance. <laughs> like, that outfit is just straight up something that a Yuri on Ice character would wear. Just straight up see-through see spandex 
and a sweet ass red collar. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a good outfit. That's pretty rad. Uh, but yeah, I really like this fight. It was a cool looking fight. Sorry, I'll stop talking and let someone else talk for a while. <laughs> I mean, okay, if anyone wants to, I guess no one wants to. All right. I'll keep talking. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was me. It was a it was a solid episode. I'm I enjoyed it. Oh, we got yeah. more with uh Frankenstein and Master. Yeah. Again, the Master is whatever. Um Frankenstein is is nice. I was kind of hoping I, I was kind of hoping they'd imply that, like, the Bride of Frankenstein was also a thing that happened, so that way, like, Frankenstein in this universe is a lesbian, but... <laughs> oh, well. Frankenstein is Frankenstein sexual. <laughs> just as long as it's made... as Just as long as they're made from cobbled-together body parts, you're good. Although calling, uh, her, although calling her Frankenstein is... Kind of a, kind of a mis- misnomer. Yeah. Uh, are but... are you gonna do the whole Frankenstein's monster thing? Yes, yes, I am. Well, here's the thing. It's been the story has been shifted so much <laughs> that the creature is Frankenstein, and that's kind of yeah. what powers the Grail. It's not necessarily the truth, but what is, is what the best known story? Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, they they reference the story specifically and says that yes, like uh, the creature, the creature was built by Doctor Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. So also, also, I'm also I, I do remember actually. I'm pretty sure today I read a post by someone who said that like yeah, the whole thing with, with like that pedants do where it's like oh, I think you mean Frankenstein's monster, as if like they're saying something mind blowing, and I just actually just want to punch him in the face. Uh, it's in not... the actual book, Frankenstein gives the monster his name. So, fair enough. Take take that, penance. <laughs> I do. Uh, I do like the scene where he's like, "Well, what about the homunculi? They're kind of like you." And she just throws the flowers in his face. It's like, well, I guess not. Yeah, Frankenstein is good because she doesn't talk that much. Which, when you're a fate character, is generally a positive thing. Also, she, I just love how he can interpret her growls and... Nah, as well, what she wants him to say. Well, I assume it's like a Groot kind of scenario. Well, the <laughs> yeah. thing is that Berserker, character, Berserker class characters generally don't talk for much. No. Yeah, that's that's what I like about him. Yeah, oh, yeah, she's kind it's, of weird it's, for it's a berserker d- it, because like, she's it, not it kinda, completely insane. Yeah, because like, yeah, she she actually isn't all that berserk. Like, uh, I wonder what her madness enchantment level is. But at the same time, like, I really like the berserker characters because you know Nasu comes up with really great designs, but I hate his dialogue. So that way, I get his designs, but without his garbage writing. <laughs> oh, that makes sense. Okay, her so her mad enhancement is rank D, which is really oh, okay. low. Compared to uh, uh, Berserker of Red, uh, Spartacus, whose mad enhancement is rank EX. Uh, that would make sense, seeing as he's basically just 
doing whatever at this point. Like, he's just he's just terminating terminating his way towards uh, the opposition. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm. I do like that scene with him where the traps go off and he's just like, and just keeps walking. I yeah. I can't de- I I can't decide whether my favorite berserker is uh, Lancelot or Heracles though. Yeah. They're both pretty good. Lancelot, be, uh, Lancelot, just because his design and noble phantasm are sick as hell. Uh, Heracles, just because I love the meme of Berserker is the strongest there is. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, Frankenstein's good. Um,. But yeah, I kind of the the thing I like most about this episode was Mordred's talk with her master and her throwing like a little temper tantrum on the ground. Um and then her being kind of a little bit cindere when he's he says to her, "Ah, I see you use the word um subjects. So you're already thinking of yourself as a ruler so <laughs> and kind of like turning her own words back on her and like being like so you wouldn't mind me calling you a monarch right she's like uh no definitely not that's fine <laughs> <laughs> not like i want to be king or anything yeah it's not like i want to inherit the earth also i love his cell phone yeah also is he carving yeah his cell phone is like a tap his his iPad is basically like skeleton bones that f- like form the border of the tablet to hold a piece of paper in place and then another skeleton hand with a quill on it that writes his letters it's great it's like man that is a really elaborate fax machine <laughs> look man he's a necromancer you got to use everything with bones I love when he gets the notification that Berserker is going on a rampage and Mordred's all like, yeah! Because <laughs> she knows she's about to get to go fight and he's like, oh, god damn it. Yeah, yeah he's just like, oh, really? <laughs> oh, I hate Berserkers. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's real good. Also, was he like carving like a unicorn horn into a shiv? Uh, I don't know. That scene? I guess we'll just have to wait and find That's out. That's kind of what it looked like, that he was carving a unicorn horn into a shiv. Also, there was a hint in this episode. Well, it, between the first episode and this episode, there was a hint for something that I'll bring up later. That you oh, may okay. or may not have caught. Alright. Probably, probably not. <clears throat> I don't pay... I don't catch small details, usually. Yeah. Um... The important yeah, thing I, is Spartacus being awesome. Yeah, the important thing is Spartacus just like being like <laughs> as he goes off to murder people and then like just goes through a trap and just doesn't give a crap. To be fair, at least he didn't kill that random hunter last time. Yeah, like Spartacus is clearly mad, but also like he's not gonna waste his time on civilians. He's got servants to murder. He's 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 very single-minded, um, but yeah, I still like this show a lot. It's still really fun. It it does things that I wish it didn't. 
Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for it to start getting to a point where everything goes tits up, as it were. Yeah, I mean, yeah, at some point, like the uh, you know the servants and masters got to start murdering each other with a band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when's the rampant slaughter gonna happen? When when is Mordred gonna shank a fool? Well, let's see. Um, Fate Zero took a while to, for that to get going too. Yeah, I did like the scene after the battle with uh, Siegfried and Karna, where Siegfried's master is going to like, "Hey, John, we've got a pretty sweet castle. You want to join us?" And John's like, "I'm supposed to be neutral, so no." And he's like. But you can survey the battlefield from there. And she's like, I can do that a lot of places. <laughs> he's like doing he's everything like, Come he's can. And John's like, no, dude, go. Go away. He's like, hey, John, why don't you team up with Siegfried and take down what the if... dude that was trying to kill you? And John's like, that's kind of not why I'm here. <laughs> and she's like, what if I gave you a cookie? <laughs> Just go away. <laughs> But but don't I have a sweet stash? Yeah, it's like, I like yeah I like Jean as a very put upon almost like school teacher basically like these it's like oh these friggin' masters. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, Apocrypha is good. Uh, I'll give it a four. Same here. Mm-hmm. Alright, let's see. Next is Yokai Apartment, Episode 3, which I did catch up, and I watched Episode 2 and Episode 3. And while I think Yokai Apartment is a good show, I'm also finding it finding that it's not a particularly memorable show. Like, it's weird. I... I kind of like all the characters, but not enough that I think, man, I can't wait to watch the next Yokai Apartment. It's like it's fine. Yeah, it's a solid. It's a solid show. I don't, it's not the not the greatest show. Uh, I, a, yeah, it's. I think my main issue with it is that like, it's kind of a jack of all trades show. In that it does a lot of things pretty okay, but it does nothing, like, super well. So, like, its comedy is fine. Its characterization is fine. Its art design is fine. Its premise is fine. Like, its drama is fine. And, like, all put together, it's like, yeah, this show is good. But also, I'm never, like... Man, I really love this one aspect of Yokai Apartment. <laughs> it kind of just all blends together for me. Um, yeah, I, that's that's I guess kind of the most succinct way I can put it is that Yokai Apartment is a show where everything is just okay. <laughs> uh, well, I'd put it as better than okay, but uh, I can see where you're coming from. Uh, yeah. And I feel a little bad because I don't want to rag on it too much because, like, I honestly don't think it really deserves to be ragged on too much. Um, it's just that I don't 
I don't really have much to say about it. Like, I enjoyed the episodes I watched. Um, I enjoyed some of their arcs. I enjoyed some of their characters. Some of the comedy was decent. Um, but never really made me laugh. Like, I guess to put it this way, like, um, going back to, uh, what was it? Flying Witch. Flying Witch was also sort of a slice-of-life show that had, like, even less drama than Yokai Apartment does. Um, but it absolutely nailed the comedy. So I kind of didn't care that it didn't have much drama. Um, and also it really nailed the characters. Uh, so even though there wasn't much action, even though the animation was, like, um, somewhat utilitarian, um, even though there wasn't really any conflict, like, it really, it did, like, two or three things extremely well. And so I was always like, man, I can't wait to get back to Flying Witch so I can see the shenanigans that, uh, the little girl gets up to this time, or whatever. Um... Whereas in Yokai, I don't know, in, in Yokai Apartment, there's nothing really sort of for me to latch onto to keep me like going to another episode. There's there's no there's no sort of page turner kind of motivation for me. Um, uh, so yeah, yeah. Well, okay. I think yeah. I I was more into it than you were, but uh, I can see where it. It would be reasonable. It would be reasonable to have that opinion. It's so you're you're not totally off base there. Yeah, I mean, like I could totally see why you like this show because it it does have a lot of things going for it. Um, but yeah, it just it just ain't my thing. I think. Um, I don't know. I I guess uh, I feel like if it were more focused on the comedy. Um, then I actually probably would like it more if it had, if it had sort of more solid humor, um, then I'd probably stick with it because I think the times when this show is at its best is either like, where it's getting into the backstories of these characters and also like doing jokes. Um, so I think if it focused more on that and less on like the sort of dramatic parts, like what it did with the the hit and run in the second episode and like the weird spirit battle in this episode um well then i'd be digging on it more well well the the heart of this episode was uh actually where it got into the uh the backstory of the little kid ghost yeah i did like the dog man the dog man was good he, yeah. he's, he's definitely one of my favorite spirits so far. Um, I, I think another issue is just, like, a, some of the spirits are just very one-note. Like, the one spirit, the lady spirit, whose literal only thing is that she drinks a lot and uh, is super sexy and very forward. And it's like, alright, I got that joke. It's... There are, there are anime that have done that cho- joke significantly better <laughs> yeah she doesn't get a lot of focus 
Yeah, it, that definitely does seem to be the case. I mean, I, I also like the little moment-to-moment -moment things where, like, he'll be going through the apartment and it'll just be, like, this one-off weird thing that, like, crosses his path. Like, when he walks through the door, there's, like, that sort of weird toothy wolf spirit that passes through. He's like, Welp! <laughs> it sure is the apartment. Or when he gets into the hot springs and there's just that giant whatever the heck that is in the hot spring with him. <laughs> um, so I feel like the like little things they throw in that are just like one-offs to make the place just sort of more out there and weird. I appreciate those instances too. But yeah, it's it's an aesthetic looking for a more I I guess it, it, for me it's it's a very good aesthetic and premise looking for a more interesting looking for more interesting writing. Anyway, I talked a lot. I should let you talk about this episode. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really have much to add to it other than to say that uh, I liked it more than you did, and uh, I'm going to give it a four. Alright, um, I'm going to give it a three. I'm probably not going to keep going with it, just because I feel like I have a pretty good idea of what Yokai Apartment is now. Um, and while it's good, there are other anime I'm more interested in watching, so I'm just going to spend my time watching them instead. Uh, but also I can totally understand why Yokai Apartment would be a thing that, uh, uh, people do, like, set aside time to watch e each week. Um, but yeah, let's move on to Hellgirl Yoi no Togi, episode one, which Aaron encouraged me to watch, even though I have never watched any Hellgirl before. And Hellgirl is a show. Hellgirl is... That is a show. <laughs> <laughs> there, some stuff happened in this show. <laughs> so, I, I what I like about Hellgirl is that it's sort of very much in that kind of almost Twilight Zone-esque vein where the episodes are very self-contained and you can immediately understand the premise in, like, a few minutes. Like, you... Like... I, again, I've never watched a single episode of Hellgirl before this, and I was like, okay, I know exactly what this show's premise is and who Hellgirl is and what she does, like, within the first five minutes. And that's honestly pretty impressive. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that's pretty typical. Uh, this was a pretty typical episode. Uh, like... Like, although some episodes, although, like, in, like, other seasons especially the second and third seasons kind of had an overall arc but like the template for each episode is pretty much the same it's like yeah it's like there's like or basically you know the hell girl and her crew insert themselves into some kind of psychodrama and just like and give like put upon people like the tools to fight back i love hell girl's crew yeah. They're really good. Mm -hmm. Especially who's who's like the little girl who's Kukuri. super sassy. Or Kikuri. Yeah, Kikuri is really awesome. 
Like I, I love how she's just super irritated by basically everything. <laughs> it's like stop wasting my time. Yeah, um, like I think she was introduced in the second season, wasn't? And uh <laughs> like part of I think either that season or the third season, she like possessed a wind up doll. So occasionally she would stop talking and fall over, and one of the minions would have to go wind her up. That's amazing. I also like how Hellgirl just, like, straight up suddenly appears. <laughs> and just stares straight into the camera. Oh, at the end of the execution? Or, no, like, at even at, like, I'm talking about the very beginning where... Yeah. Um, the, yeah. When the girl logs onto the website. That's yeah, right. and oh, okay. she just, like, appears just sitting on her dresser. <laughs> She's just sitting formally on the dresser. Yeah. Like, this is where I sit. This is my chair now. <clears throat> but yeah, I, I liked how this this episode is very topical. Um, it's very much the, like, the, yo, online harassment has gotten real bad these days. <laughs> Um, and that's pretty much what this episode is, where a girl is just relentlessly harassed by her classmates through the medium of text messaging. Um, and it's pretty rough. <laughs> and she kind of goes through the, these scenarios where, for a lot of the episode, it's her, like, trying to decide whether or not she actually wants to go through it, through with it, because, like, she understands that it's kind of a big deal to send someone to hell, because, like, they go to hell, <laughs> Yeah, like that's and also you so ain't... do you. Oh, you go to hell too? Yeah, yeah, because, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, the, uh, the hell girl explains it. That it's uh, after, like, uh, if the one who pulls the string on the doll, after they die, their soul's going to go to hell. Oh, okay, I see. Yes, when one is okay. cursed, two graves are dug. I see, all right. Although I don't think that was in this episode, but... Uh, that's what yeah, she that... says sometimes. But yeah, effectively, okay. it, the person that is, well, gets attacked. So one of them goes immediately, and then the one who made the bargain will... It, they basically sell their soul to hell in order to send someone to hell immediately. Correct. Yes. Alright. Yeah. Um, I... One, also, one of the things that I liked most about this episode was the teachers being completely ineffectual to actually stop the bullying. bullying. Because, yeah, that's a serious problem in both Japan and America, where teachers basically... Well, like the, the school administration basically does nothing. Yep. <laughs> um, and it's pretty screwed up. Uh, so it was as much a commentary on asshole teenagers as it is on, like, just school administration being terrible at their supposed jobs of taking care of your children. Um, but yeah, I, I liked how a lot of this episode was actually her kind of going through the, like, trying to think, like, do I actually want to go through with this? Can I just stick it out? Can I maybe, like, get them to stop? Can I maybe endure it so I don't have to make this choice? Like, go with, like, this nuclear option. Um, and initially it seems like it's gonna work okay. Um, 
but then it super doesn't. Right. Uh, and when she finally, like, makes her choice and sends Yonokawa, or whatever her name was, to hell, that's when we get the punishment scene, which, man, that is a sequence of events. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> that's always the highlight of the episode. Yeah, so me being unfamiliar with Hellgirl was, did not really know what to expect with the person being sent to hell. But yeah, this is this is very much a, like, you are punished befitting of the crime you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in this case, she is turned into a cell phone and then a US and then she is connected via USB to a hell computer. Uh and Hellgirl's crew like basically goes into a file manager on the computer for the cell phone that is now her and deletes all of her intestines and organs and stuff and it's like all right that's pretty clever. <laughs> and then Hellgirl appears behind a like teacher's lectern and does her whole speech of like you're yo you're you're dead now bye you with you. yeah exactly aaron's favorite phrase yes um, but then we get the twist at the end of the episode that reveals that she sent the wrong person mm-hmm because it was actually someone with the same last... Is it the same last name? Yeah. Yes. It was a different person with the same last name who actually uh, did it. And she finds out that she was wrong at the very end. And it, yeah. And, a, and again, an extremely... Extremely like Twilight Zone sort of monkey's paw kind of ending. Yeah, 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 that happens quite a bit, and it it, it does take quite a bit from uh, Twilight Zone sometimes. Yeah, I I really dug it. Um, I'm a fan of this kind of formula. Uh, it's got again, like it's it's hard for shows to pull off that Twilight Zone sort of style because it requires you to like make an actual like good and complete story arc in the span of 25 minutes which is hard short stories are hard y'all um but hellgirl does it pretty well yeah this was a uh, solid example of the form it's uh Aaron I know this is one of your favorite shows and you were really looking forward to uh, watching it. Do, do you have uh, some stuff to say that I kind of missed? No, no, it was great. It, I really enjoyed it. The only thing that annoys me is that we're only getting six new episodes. Yeah. But to be fair, I probably don't remember the six episodes they're redoing anyway, so it'll be fine. <laughs> and also, it'll be a good catch-up for me. Yeah, I, um, I'm really curious to see how, if they're just going to show the old episodes or are they redoing it but with like the same script? but updated visuals and voice. So it'll be interesting to see. 
Yeah, I mean, because that's the thing. In terms of the style, it's like it's like the show never went away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's the great thing. There's no need to like reintroduce new concepts for the season. Like Dustin said, within five minutes, you know exactly what's going on, what's going to happen, and how it's going to happen. It's just the getting there that is the fun part of the episode. Yeah. So yeah, I dig it. Um, I'm definitely going to watch more Hellgirl. Also, I say that, but they don't always pull the string. Yeah. There are, there are occasionally episodes where uh, where they don't where they don't go through with it. <laughs> but it 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 some of the episodes do get really dark, um, and really I want to say like unsettling. But you know that like the entire time it, it's like this is stuff that actually really does go on. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times it's like the worst of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are some episodes where, and there are some episodes where justice is not done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just Such the opposite. as in this one. Yeah, but no, yeah, but like, uh, well, there's, yeah, it's but, it gets worse than that. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. There's ones where like the person who pulls the string is completely in the wrong, and they're like the person who gets sent to hell was completely innocent and not just yeah. partially guilty which is kind of something they they touch on at the very end of this episode where hell girl is rowing the boat which is i assume supposed to represent like the river sticks yeah pretty much um uh with the girl crying in it and there's this other kid that shows up like on the shore uh that kind would... of like ad- admonishing her for it and hell girl's like this is just my job yo that would be this season's story arc because she hasn't uh, she doesn't appear in the other ones, so she's a new character figured. for this season. That's what I figured, but yeah, she seems to be going like, "Hey, this is kind of screwed up," and Hellgirl's like, "Look, I'm just here to do a job. Like, it ain't my decision who gets sent here." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's completely outside of her power. She's only doing her job. Uh, like, but yeah. I, I want to I... bring up some of the other ones that I remember, but I kind of don't in case they go get in, repeated. In case it's one of the episodes that they're repeating, so yeah, and you don't want to spoil it for me accidentally. <laughs> yeah, but some of them, some of the old episodes are really screwed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give this episode a five. I liked it a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it a four. Yeah, it gets a five. I can't really complain about anything. And I got right. to hear my favorite phrase, <laughs> one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> All right, let's move on to 18 If Episode 2, which I believe uh, Aaron and Ben, did you watch 18 If Episode 2 yes, as well? Yes, I did. I <laughs> kind of skipped it because I didn't have, I had a lot of stuff to catch up on. And so I <laughs> kind of didn't bother with the stuff I wasn't sure about. So uh, speaking about Dark. Oh, yeah, this got this episode got brutal. <laughs> So basically, this one was focused around a new witch this time who is killing people when they fall asleep in incredibly brutal ways. Like twisted limbs, ripped out stuff, cuts, twisted, all sorts of horrible, horrible ways, which then reflect themselves on the real person as they're asleep. And she's targeting the three people that basically killed her family. 
um, I guess the main takeaway is that the the kid that seems to be the main character, uh, he gets a like a communicator with the other dude who's in the real world, who's talking to the people trying to get them out while he assumes the kid is trying to stop the witch. And about halfway through, the kid's just like, no, actually, I support what she's doing, and destroys the communicator. Yeah. And then cheers her on, and then kills the last person himself. Yeah, right, because, uh... Yeah, because the thing is, is that the, uh, the victims of the witch are presented as just unredeemable douchebags. Just awful, awful people. Especially the last one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know... And yeah, these were people who like they murdered they like they murdered this girl's family and got caught, but because they were minors, they basically didn't get uh, they didn't get fully punished. Yeah, I think it was like basically eight years in juvie or something like that. Yeah, for the murder of the mother, father, and elder sister in really horrible ways. Yeah, and they were like, yeah, and they like they felt no remorse whatsoever for what they did. And and the last one was like, oh, it's like you can kill people in dreams. This is awesome. I'm gonna try and figure out how to do that. And, and, and he that's, does that's... manage to turn it against her for a moment before the main character just comes up and stabs his eyes. Yeah, and then beats the crap out of him and eventually kills him. So, uh, this is a very different episode than the first one. <coughs> yeah, uh, I like the way the twist, I like the, like, the way it twisted, because, like, you're thinking, like, for most of the episode, because you got, like, you know, the, uh, the cat guy who's, like, who's actually, like, you know, a dream, like, a, a scientist who's studying dreams, uh, you know, uh, you know, the cat guy, the cat guy, he's like, he's like, you know, saying, like, vengeance is not the answer, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, okay, this is gonna, like, turn into, like, a, you know, a heartwarming redemption arc? No. You know, the main character is not having any of that. The main character yeah. is like, oh, yeah, these guys totally deserve to die. I'll kill them. Yeah, she's all. like, no, no, she's justified in her vengeance. And then just destroys the communicator. It's just like, oh, well, that's okay. We're gonna go with this now. Cool. Oh, it was it was nice and refreshing that the main character didn't turn into some morality dude. Yeah, this, that actually makes it more interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually really like this episode because I was really gonna drop it after the first episode, but I'm glad I didn't. So this yeah. one gets a four for me. Yeah, same here. Uh. Yeah, another thing is the uh, the visual style of this episode was uh, way different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've heard, I read somewhere that uh, like each episode is going to have a different director. Huh. That doesn't always turn out well, but it did in this episode, so I'll be curious for the next ones. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, well, Space Dandy did it, but then again, that was... Uh, you know that was by that was Bones. <laughs> mm-hmm. This one is Gonzo, who is uh, yeah, not at the top of their game. 
<laughs> Mixed bag. Yeah. <laughs> As Gonzo typically is. Yeah, so I think, like, the overall... I think overall this series is going to be wildly uneven. Mm-hmm. But I'm interested to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. All right, so uh, let's move on to Ballroom Yokoso, episode two, <laughs> aka Shaft version three point Yeah, man, there's some weird art going on here, and like I kind of understand what they're going for, but at the same time, it really just weirds me out. What with the exaggerating, what the what with the exaggerated uh, necks and like bodies contorting in strange ways, and yeah, it just looks kind of. Ugh. Well, honestly, like my main issue with, with the show isn't necessarily that, but like, uh, the aside from like maybe like the inst- the main instructor. Um, and the two actually, like, really good student dancers, the characters don't really feel like people, I guess. Like, it feels very... It feels very relentlessly we are going through the protagonist tropes for this main character. Um, and I'm especially not okay with the... I'm especially bugged by sort of the the implication that this episode does where it looks like the two male leads are gonna start, like, dance fighting over the female lead. and Which isn't necessarily where they're gonna take it, but it's... It, it def, the, the suggestion is definitely there. Yeah. In this episode. And I'm not crazy about that. Well, luckily for you, it's not going to go there. Okay, good. I don't know, like, it's it's weird. Like, I really want to like Ballroom at Yokoso. Um, I'm, I, I'm not entirely sure how to describe what's holding me back from liking it, either. I, I, I think it is... I think it does have a lot to do with the main character, though. Like, I just... He's very main protagonist stereotype. He's kind of like a cardboard cutout, honestly. Like he tries, he tries real hard, and he does his best, and he's kind of awkward. But like, I can't really tell you like what his desires or motivations are particularly like even at the beginning like his motivation is that he his motivation to be in dance is that he doesn't have motivations and he wants to have a motivation <laughs> and he just happens to find that dance looks cool i guess i don't know like so he's generic shonen protagonist number three yeah yeah there's just something missing from his character and he just yeah he's not a person he's he's a he's a plot device Uh, i don't know i found him perfectly believable uh 
don't know. I he's a, he's an awkward teenager who hasn't really, you know, found his direction. And yeah, I'd buy it. I mean, I, I need more than just awkward teen who hasn't found his direction. There's, like, tons of those. That's a lot of teenagers. Like, what makes this dude special and interesting to follow? Like, what is his specific deal that makes him... That makes his story more worth watching than any other awkward teenager who's not sure where what direction their life is going in? Um, and the show hasn't really answered that question for me. Like, I mean, Deku is an awkward teenager, uh, who, when he found out he was quirkless, wasn't really sure what he was going to do. But the reason why I like Deku so much is because I like, he has a, like, he has specific methods he uses to try and get what he wants. The sh- the My Hero Academy gives me specific reasons why I should care about Deku's story. It tells me what these other characters mean to him and what the arc of the show means to him. Whereas with this guy, it's just dancing is cool, I guess. It's like, I guess I'll try dancing, and that, and I'll be a, and I'll just happen to be super good at being a protagonist. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just, it's too shallow. He, he's too shallow. Uh, I can sort of see why you think that. Uh, at this point, uh, but I don't know. It's just I'm I'm coming from a perspective of having read the manga and seeing where it goes from there. Uh, so you know, so I'm like more into it. At this, I'm more into it. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Like even by the standards of other sports sh- sports anime, I have seen like. It's kind of just lacking in personality, I guess. Um, I like, I think I think one of my issues is that it feels like it's it's kind of a hodgepodge of stuff cribbed from other better anime. Um, like the whole ballroom thing feels ripped from Yuri on Ice. The whole instructor dynamic feels like someone saw great teacher Onizuka and went, yeah, I can do that. Uh, yeah, that's actually, uh, that's, uh, that was actually the, yeah, the, uh, the, uh, Sengoku character. Yeah. Like I said, that was actually cribbed from, uh, Hajime no Ippo. <laughs> yeah. Also that like definitely, but you see what I'm saying though, right? It, it's, well, it's a shonen show. That's like a weird Frankenstein, of other better shonen shows, <laughs> and I think that's and I think that's one of the issues I have with it is because as I'm watching Ballroom Ayokaso, I'm seeing elements of it and thinking I could be watching this instead. I could be watching this other thing that I haven't watched instead. Uh. 
Yeah, well, I did not have that. Uh, I did not have that impression. And so, I like the episode just fine, and I'm going to give it a four. Uh, I'm giving it a three. I may give it one more episode, depending on how much time I have, but, like, uh, there are just way better anime airing this season, um, in my opinion. So, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, let's move on to Princess Principal. Speaking of way better anime, uh, yes. Princess Principal Episode 2, I was, like, very skeptical about Episode 1, even though I kind of digged it. Um, I think most of us actually were a little hesitant, simply because, like, you know, first episode was good, but, you know, it could go either way after that. But Episode 2 was really solid, like, even better than the first one was. Yeah, oh, it yes. went in a nice direction. Yeah, like much, like uh, even more solid political intrigue, uh, a better plot line for the episode, a genuinely like really que- clever twist that actually kind of surprised me, um, a princess character who was super good. Yeah, <laughs> who's not completely insufferable. Yeah, I liked how the princess character, because initially you're thinking, oh, like when Ange does her thing, you're like, oh, okay, this is Ange playing uh, the princess as Ange would be if she were a princess. But then, no, once the princess is actually on screen, uh, like the actual princess, that's just also who she is also. She's also like relentlessly... Uh, uh, political and uh, manipulative as Ange is. <laughs> um, and she's just as intelligent as the spies are, and it's pretty good. Yep. But yeah, I... Also, like, so the, the twist at the end is that Ange was also still the princess, but I can't quite... I can't quite pinpoint, like, at one point, was the princess the princess? Ten Okay. So what happened is that Ange took over for... Effectively, the princess and Ange switched places. Ten years before. Okay. And we get the ten-year thing from the end where it says, oh, it's been ten years, and that they switch places from the note that he, that she hands her, which, again, I'm really glad that they pay attention to small details like this, because it says, My dear Ange, and f- yours truly, Charlotte. And that's going from what we know as Ange to the princess. And we know that the princess's name is Charlotte, because it's said once by the duke, who is her uncle, towards her as, oh, these are your friends, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so which princess is Princess Princess? <laughs> Both? The, yeah, the one that they call Princess is really Ange, and the one that they call Ange is really Princess Charlotte. So the swap that they wanted to do had already been done. Correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, just, it's, it's really... It really, really, it sets up some really interesting dynamics for uh, the future. It's uh, so we're past the spy versus spy versus spy bit, and we're down to uh, princess versus princess versus princess. 
Yes, it's spy is spy is princess is spy. Yeah, I I love that because it's like so in this it's basically like in this show where all the main characters are spies. You find out in the second episode that one of them was actually a princess double agent. <laughs> yeah, surprise, just... surprise! In a show about spies, there's a double agent. Yeah, it's it's real good. Yeah. Um, and the and the like, yeah, and and I love the irony that like, you know, because like, you know, like the spy masters are all like going, you know, going on about this Operation Changeling, the logic of which. Seems a little iffy, but it turns out that their Operation Changeling, without their knowledge, had already succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. Yeah. The little did they know. <laughs> or what you don't know won't hurt you. I mean, because uh, if you think about it, on its face, the idea of trying to, like, uh, basically have somebody swap in for the princess doesn't seem likely to work because like actually sort of becoming a becoming like a stand-in for the princess requires all kinds of like knowledge that just a regular spy is not gonna have and they're gonna yeah. get tripped up at some point and sort of the reveal is that they already had that the information they would need uh well, without yeah, but the agency I... actually knowing <laughs> I think I'd give them the credit, the agency the credit, that they would have trained Ange specifically for this purpose. Yeah. Eh. Possibly. I, 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 also, I also love Charlotte as Ange, as the princess, uh, kind of giving the Duke, uh, <laughs> sort of like teasing him about having a mistress. It's like, ah, oh, I see. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Princess, yeah. I liked it. Yeah, yeah it was, it was very good. Yeah, I'll give it a five. Most I definitely. And I, and I give episode, episode, was. episode one gets a four because the poor guy got shot, but outside of that, it wasn't bad. That served yeah. him right. Yeah, but still. Yeah. You know, yeah, she, she could have th thrown him in the moat with the crocodiles. It would have been so much better. Other than the crocodiles would have got indigestion. Yeah, never mind. I, I'm, I giving, also I'm do, giving this episode a five, by the way. I also just realized it gave... that the, the reveal at the end gives way more context. Like, a way different context to when Ange and the princess... Well, Charlotte as Ange. Uh, when they meet up and... Ange as the princess says, Have we met before? And Charlotte disguised as Anne says, "This is the first time, but I've known your face for ages." Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. If you rewatch that whole conversation, it's it really it's takes on a different meaning. And that that's that's the sign of a really really well written plot twist and foreshadowing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It's like the We're whole good. I don't I don't suppose we could be friends, and yeah, it's real good. Um. Let's move on to uh, what's up next. Maybe oh yeah, Abyss. Made in Abyss episode two, which I caught up on, and this is probably my favorite show this season. I'll be danged. Oh yes, this, it's uh, really good. Yeah, this episode continues the brilliance. Yeah, I love the aesthetic of this show. It's 
wonderfully animated. The characters are all fantastic and immediately likable. Um, the sort of world design is like gorgeous and the actual like backstory of the world is like really messed up but in a way that's just subtle enough that it it's messed up in the way that you just kind of get used to messed up things when you're dealing with a messed up world in real life like eventually you just accept it as just the normal state of things and so from kind of inside that existence you don't really think about it much but someone who doesn't isn't familiar familiar with that that life like looking from the outside in is like yo what the hell <laughs> like and that it's magnified by them kind of dropping these things just very nonchalantly that give us insight into how screwed up the world is um sort of starting from the first episode where they mentioned that the school is also just an orphanage for these kids whose parents have gotten killed being adventurers and now they're being trained to be adventurers who will most likely die a horrible death in the abyss as well and how that's like a noble thing <laughs> yeah there's also the way the uh, the orphanage just casually like punishes people by stringing them up naked yeah yeah it's like yeah and they don't like really ever dwell on it and it's like yo that's messed up <laughs> yeah but to yeah, them it's just it's... like you know that's the normal punishment that, so yeah what? that's just how you punish people well, it's better than tossing yeah. them in the abyss. I really like the world building they've been doing. Um, it sets up a dystopia without being super melodramatic about it. <laughs> Looking at you, Genuabuchi. Because Lord knows, like, look, I like some of Genuabuchi's shows, but he is maybe the least subtle writer in the entire universe <laughs> when it comes to dystopias. <laughs> um... Whereas, like, Made in Abyss handles it with a delicate enough touch to make it feel like some... To make it feel like these are characters that would actually react this way and this is a world that could actually exist. Even though it's fantastical as hell. Like, I believe that this is a universe that could exist. Yeah, well... Um, in the, yeah, which in is the, a heck of an achievement. And the thing about it is, is that, like, yeah, like, this city is, like, really... a not a nice place yeah but it's not because it's not because it was imposed by some you know nightmarish regime it was because it, of the collective decisions of like a whole bunch of other a whole bunch of individual people like doing what they thought was the best thing to do at the time yeah it's 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 <clears throat> like a whole village just like it's like a whole village found a giant hole in the ground and they decide to just be mmo characters like this is an mmo village but real you know like you, you know like the jokes that because one of the one of the jokes about mmos is that like oh you know you're like ev literally everybody is just an adventurer uh mm -hmm. 
but they never really acknowledge it in the MMO itself. It's just like, oh, PC, please help us out. You're the only adventurer here. And it's like the the town is filled with like 90% people going into dungeons to kill things. And here they just straight up acknowledge that like, yeah, a bunch of people are adventurers. And also they die <laughs> frequently. Um... I also really it also has like genuinely touching moments like when uh the dot like when the guy who's just called leader um talks to the main girl about her mother who like left when she was two years old and then got lost in the abyss and ha and like tells her the story of how her mother dragged her up from the abyss um leaving the treasure she was supposed to get behind just so the kid just so the girl could survive um and it does a great job of folding like some really interesting exposition and a whole lot of exposition in with some like genuinely touching character building it's a it's a show that has a wonderful economy of storytelling yes I love the way this. I love the way this story is constructed. It's just like the like the the pacing and the structure and like yeah the, and the way yeah you know the way they deliver information to the audience just you know so, without so let's, you know, let's, without dragging it out brilliant. Let's get to the kicker. The kicker is, his mom supposedly is at the bottom of the well telling the daughter to come and get her. Well, that was a, that was a uh, letter. Well, that was a letter that was written just before she disappeared. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. yeah. The, the, way I, I the way I took that was, you know, that was an invitation to, uh, I'm down here, come and get me. Yeah. I also love how the central mystery of the show ties into the motivation of the character. Like it, it's it's not like in a lot of these sorts of shows where the characters have to be like cajoled into investigating the mystery and like engaging in the danger. Like this girl already wants to do that and this just gives her motivation to like be a be a better adventurer because she's like oh i have a thing i need to do now i'm gonna get serious mm. um also the robot kid is adorable <laughs> and, oh yeah and the way she describes what she the like the way she tested him like, oh yeah it's like also his penis is real and everyone's like you really didn't need to go that far <laughs> Look, man, you gotta check the robot for everything. It's for science. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh. You know, yeah, small, I, small I love... children though have a tendency to be that inquisitive. Yeah, all these characters are super good. I love all of them. Um... <laughs> I hear a giggle but in yeah. the background. Oh, Aaron's probably laughing because he's like, "Haha, yes, half of them are going to die." No, no, actually. No. Okay. 
I think he's giggling. Or because they? I think he was giggling on the uh, small kid had to investigate everything. Yeah, um, I'm super excited for the next episodes of this show. I love it to bits. Um, I'm definitely giving it a five. 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 And uh, same for the first episode. I think. All right. Uh, sorry, Larry. Go ahead. No, I'm. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm going to depart and be back for the end. All right. Uh, let's talk about Vatican Mir- Miracle Examiners episode two, which, at the very least, was much better in terms of the cinematography department. Yeah. Like, it actually wasn't weird constantly. <laughs> like, it made sense. Uh, Although there were a couple moments where they were, like, they were, like, running around in darkness and I couldn't tell what was going on. Yeah, I felt like that was kind of intentional, but... Um, it, it always annoys me when they do that. Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't know. Vatican Miracle Exam... It, like... In, in a season where Princess Principal didn't exist, I feel like I'd be a little more excited about Vatican Miracle Examiners. But we have Prince... And, like, I get they're going for different things. But for shows that try to engage the, like, sort of nitpicky part of your brain that remembers details and clues and tries to overthink everything... Um, Princess Principle is easily the superior show. It has better characters. It has a nicer aesthetic. It has better animation. It has better, like, it has better logic. It has better twists. Um, so I don't think Vatical Miracle, Miracle Examiners is bad necessarily. Um, I just think it kind of got its lunch eaten by Princess Principal, to be perfectly honest. Um, it's, or I guess to put it another way, Vatican Miracle Examiners is like a Catholic CSI, yeah. where like CSI is never gonna win any awards for anything really, but like it's a it's a pretty good show to watch if you just need something on to entertain you like it'll it'll get that done um but as for something to like actually pay attention to and review i'm not sure i i care to do that every week i mean yeah i mean like i think it's like it's got a pretty engaging mystery and you know you know the characters are okay yeah they they don't like (laughs) they don't they don't piss me off so uh, yeah that's definitely a point in its favor yeah, uh, I, I kind of wish that I kind of wish this wasn't a three-parter though. I was yeah. really expecting that this was going to end on this second episode, and I was like, "Oh wait, it's a cliffhanger again." I'm like, "Really?" Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> "Nope, we're going to introduce more mysteries." It's like, "But no, you haven't stop." I was really looking forward to the parlor scene, and then it didn't happen. Like I thought it was going to, and then it didn't. I was like. I don't. I'm not sure about stretching this out to three episodes, man. Yeah. Yeah. What? How many? Uh, do we know how many episodes this is gonna be? Not sure. But yeah, I again like 
I feel like this show is very much a on par with a good episode of Law and Order or CSI or any other police procedural where you're not really watching it to analyze it or talk about it or review it. You're just watching it because it's something entertaining to watch while you're doing other things. Okay, it's listed for 12 episodes, which means a fourth of this has already been on this one story, which is right. probably not a great way to start. Yeah. If, if Aaron's dad was into anime, this is the show that Aaron's dad would be into. Didn't they make a Law & Order manga? That's a... Did they? I'm pretty sure they did. That... Oh, God. If they made a Law & Order Amara manga, I'm gonna die. Oh, wait, no. It was World of Law and Order. That is completely different, Aaron. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a completely different thing. It's not Law and <laughs> Order. It, it was something that I wish was like... Oh, God. I, I I would die if I saw... Oh, God, what's his name? Like, the older guy. The older prosecuting lawyer. McCoy, I think, or something like that? Yeah, if I saw, like, anime McCoy, holy cow... I'd I'd be done with anime. I'd be like, all right, well, nothing nothing I ever see now will top this. So I guess I canceling the podcast forever now. <laughs> I just saw the prosecutor from Law and Order in an anime. Please be a gender swapped lolly. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's still look. Actually, no. I I would accept that if they kept the same voice. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Make 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 him look like a little girl that's super anime, but keep the voice. Keep the Sam Waterston voice. <laughs> and I will be okay with turning him into a lolly. Uh anyway, I give this episode a three. It was fine. But I I can't see myself really wanting to review this on VodkaCast. I may still watch it when I'm like doing some grinding in MMOs or whatever, but like, well, we'll see yeah, how. I don't we'll, really have a desire to review it. I think. Well, I think we should review one, like, like the next episode, just to see how the mystery turns out. Just, uh, just to close out this particular story arc. Yeah. Okay. But then after that, if it doesn't really sell us on this show, then I don't think we need to continue discussing it. Well, and if it does, we may want to just talk about it once each individual arc ends. Yeah. Could do that. Yeah, anyway, yeah, I gave it a three. Uh, so... Next? Uh... Alright, so next is Centaur no Nayami, episode 2, um, which I, did I get around to episode 2? No, I don't think I did. I managed to watch episode 1, um, and I liked it. It was pretty okay. I'm not sure I digged it as much as you guys did, but like... I didn't like episode, it was so I, did, I didn't like episode 2 as much. I mean like... Oh yeah? I mean like the content was okay, but something about the, uh, something about the, like... I guess the direction and the pacing and the like the the flow and the timing of it just felt off. So it just didn't have the same charm, 
first episode did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, when I watched the first episode, I was like, yeah, this is nice, I guess. Um, I think my main issue, honestly, like, kind of my... One of the issues I have with shows like this, and it's this thing, it's the same sort of issue I had with um, Demi Chan, is that like they both Demi Chan and Centaur Centaur's worries very blatantly, um, like very blatantly tell you what they want the show to be about in terms of like their social message, but at the same time they kind of only engage in the surface level of that and kind of only, you know, when they feel like it. Uh, it's it's not a thing that really forms a backbone of the work. It's just something else that's tacked on as a garnish occasionally. Um, uh, I think Demi-Chan was better about it. Demi-Chan was a little better about it, certainly. Um, because more of the plot arcs sort of centered on those issues. Uh, but especially with, like, Centaur, you know, they initially, like, they have a bunch of that stuff at the very start, including the very, like, sort of tongue-in-cheek line about, you know, oh, we wouldn't have racism if people were just different colors. Um, but then after that, it's very much just, like, slice of life stuff um with the little bit about um with the with the little bit where it, it kind of goes it kind of touches on that point again later on where the people make uh, where like the woodworkers or whatever the props department makes that one set piece the the stair set piece and doesn't really consider the the weight of a horse person because yo horses are heavy um dustin horse person is a derogatory term they prefer and, centaurs okay <laughs> and and they kind of like in, inadvertently body shame the centaur because of it uh but yeah like they never really resolve that or kind of get into that at all it's kind of just a thing that happens and then they just move on to do more slice of life stuff well i think the, um, the proper point of comparison for a show like this is flying witch and this show comes out much before in the comparison because, yeah absolutely because the thing is like because okay but this and flying witch are basically supernatural slice of life shows but the thing about the thing that flying witch had that this show does not is proper comedic timing yeah <laughs> e like even even during the jokes that kind of worked for me like i didn't really laugh much i just was like huh yeah <laughs> um I think, uh, see, I, I didn't watch the episode, or I skimmed it, rather, but I've read the manga. And one of the things that makes me enjoy it is that it's less, like, they do touch on stuff like racism and, and other issues occasionally. 
they don't always go out of their way to to solve it or or mention it more than passing but one of the things i really like it for is the attention to detail as far as uh showing you how a world like this would actually function as far as what precautions need to be taken uh, what changes are made in comparison to our normal world so it's it's for me it's the attention to detail that gets me and that that always gets me in anything yeah um i i know matt likes the same sort of thing where like if uh if a world is really detailed um he kind of gets a kick out of that i just wish i just wish that detail was more incorporated into the storylines themselves rather than just be kind of being kind of like this background decoration mm-hmm. yeah the details in like yeah in the show the details are mainly there in the visuals like the uh you know like the uh like the way like the uh clothes and the uh buildings are designed yeah and like they have that one detail about how like oh what was it like werewolves or no were tigers or whatever the hell like, oh yeah, they're extinct now. I'm like, hold on, excuse me. Uh, please tell me more about that. That sounds way more interesting than anything else that's currently happening. Um, well, you do eventually get the uh, Antarkians, the snake people. Oh, yeah? Yeah, one shows up in the opening, and then one shows up in, I think, Volume 3, uh, I believe. Uh, there's one in Episode 2. I don't know. There, there's always there's just always something that feels a little wishy washy about these sorts of shows, mm-hmm. um, especially well, in ones that especially in the ones that try to be like a more serious take on the monster musume genre. Or it's like monster musume get musume gets away with it because like it's not trying to be serious. All it wants to be is horny, and it does that. And it's like, all right, cool, you do you, monster musume, respect. Um, Whereas with Demi-Chan and Centaur's worries, like, they say straight up that they're trying to be about something, man. And then, like, it's like, eh, kind of, sort of. I don't think that they... But also, we want to get that otaku money. (laughs) I don't think either of them necessarily, like, no, we need to make a stand for something. It's just more... Oh, Demi-Chan absolutely does, like, um... Multiple multiple episodes in Demi-Chan are about, like, people just being very blatantly racist towards monsters. <laughs> um, it's just it doesn't necessarily do it well. Uh, uh, especially in... I thought, I thought Demi-Chan did it pretty well. Uh, this show does okay, but not great. I was initially thinking, like, in near the beginning where, oh, God, uh, they're, they occasionally make mention of, like, oh, we're not supposed to talk about this stuff. Or with the teacher um, being, like, sort of observed by these two shady dudes. It's like, okay, like, is this a world where everyone is quote-unquote equal, but really all that means is that... Um, the monsters that are that are actually privileged just pretend that everything 
is equal in order to keep their positions of powers while the actual minority monsters continue to be oppressed but i think uh, i think it's more so far that's so far that seems way too uh i, I think it's more i think it's more I, th- I think as far as equality they're going for a harrison bergeron kind of equality <clears throat> like where that is like you know they'll force like they'll basically try and erase any kind of distinctions whatsoever even when it's probably not a good idea to do that well, one of the things in the second episode is that uh, they're looking through a fashion magazine, and one of the uh, Antarcticans, uh is in there, and, and they're just like, huh, that's kind of weird. Do they really read these kind of magazines? And it's like, well, we got to equally represent them. And then in uh, another, in a later manga chapter, I think volume three or four, it, um, they're discussing a uh, a basically sort of like a, a cyber horse module thing for the mermaids so that they can walk around normally. Yeah, that was in episode two. Oh, did they do that one in episode two? Yes, they did. Oh, okay. Um, and a question was brought up like, hey, aren't you spending a bit much of the budget in comparison to other people on things like this? Like no, we need we need to make sure that our uh, that the merfolk feel welcome. Well, hmm. So, man. All right. So there's some complexities here, because like honestly, in if you actually want to gain equality, then. Uh, you will often have to spend unequal resources to make that happen um so i i think the show does try and and touch on that but only very occasionally and it only like adds up it's not trying to make a huge point immediately it's just adding to the the sort of background of the setting yeah. Also, like that whole thing about like, oh, do the snake people actually read this? Well, why why wouldn't snake people read fashion magazines? Uh, because they generally don't include the models in them. Oh, oh, are you are you okay? So are are you saying it's sort of like a situation where it's a catch twenty two of like the snake people don't read the magazine because they aren't like they're just ignored? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Also, I believe they're relatively, um, uh, what's the word for it? Solitary or isolationist or, uh, they, they keep to themselves mostly. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, and apparently they're in a war with America. Wait, what? (laughs) I remember that being brought up in the manga. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, man. But yeah, it's uh it's it's a weird show. It's kind of a mixed bag. I'm not really sure what to think of it yet. Anyway, I yeah, it uh yeah, because I think the way that I know this episode the execution wasn't as good as it could have been, so I'm going to give it a 3. 
the line that really made me wonder what the hell the show was trying to say was where the teacher goes um therefore equality is often more valuable than civil rights and even life itself i'm like okay show what are you doing here exactly (laughs) um because like equality generally goes hand in hand with civil rights yeah. Like uh, hence that's the, uh, the whole point. <laughs> hence the hence the comparison to uh, Harrison Bergeron, the old the old uh, Kurt Vonnegut story. Oh, I I have never read that oh, story, uh, well, so you'll have to. Okay, well that's where elucidate. that's where they they basically they force everybody to be equal by handicapping the people that are more capable. So like, yeah. Yeah, so, like, strong people, like, have to, like, go around with extra weights on them, and, like, smart people basically get, or get, get constantly distracted by radio signals, and, you know. Uh, so, in, so instead of spending resources to, like, give a helping hand to the people who need it, they sort of go the opposite direction. Yes. All right. And so it's treated, it's treated as, like, this horrible dystopia, and... And you know, but but that's the thing is that the you know the the idea is that you know the like the government and basically which is I mean and this is this is not like an authoritarian government although it's gotten that way I mean it's because like the people wanted this but it's just gotten way out of hand uh and and it like and it sucks. Yeah, it's it's tough to tell if the if Centaur's worries is actually going that way because honestly, it's tough to tell what Centaur's worries is actually trying to talk about anyway. If it's even trying to make any sort of statement, who knows? Um, but yeah, so far it's just kind of mostly trying to be a slice of life show, and in that sense, it's fine, but nothing to really write home about. The only thing that annoys me in comparison to the manga is that, like, the manga I think I showed you guys last week has, like, a a page in between each chapter that's sort of, like, uh, background information as to how things work or how they've become this way. So, like, for instance, that that centaurs, when they go inside, they put rubber horseshoes on their feet. And another one was uh, that the, uh, the angel folk, their halos are actually made out of hair. And it's supported by a strand of very hard hair. And if that is cut, they actually have to get... uh, Well, first of all, if it's cut offensively, it's a hate crime. And if they have to... If it's cut by accident or disease or something, they actually have to go get something from the government saying, you know, this is what happened, this is why. So it's... It's that they also kind of... I think that's one part that the anime is missing, which is unfortunate because it'd be really easy to stick those in in the uh, the before and after commercial breaks. Yeah. Like especially in like oh, man, I think one of the one of the things that bothers me about why I wish these shows would try to do a little more is that. Uh, like Japan is historically such a homogenous society, um, 
and that plays out in kind of all aspects of its society. Um, like we, we have plenty of examples of that uh, happening in their school systems and stuff um, that it would be nice for a show to actually touch on that idea of like people are different and we should like embrace those differences um, while also being aware that societies are created with certain biases towards certain traits um, that we need to be aware of and embracing those differences. Like we're never going to make an unbiased society. So we need to always be aware of what those biases are and do what we can to mitigate them from the, for the people who we are not biased for. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I always just wish that shows would do more because they always seems to do so little. <laughs> I, I think I, I wouldn't have, I, I don't think I'd be having these complaints if I saw more shows that even attempted to do to, to talk about issues like this. Well, remember Dustin, that's generally not the market audience. Yeah, I know. I'm aware. Uh, it's kind of why I have a love hate relationship with anime in the first place. Um, in that it, it's very marketed toward a, an audience who the people who spend the most money are also looking for the shallowest and most wish fulfilling, um, content. So it's hard. I get it. It's not really where the money is. Um, but I also can't help but think that anime kind of painted themselves into this corner by attracting that audience, by doubling down on that audience and driving away the more diverse audience, you know, in the first place. Like... Uh, I, I'd probably need to do more research to really be, uh, in a lot of ways, it feels a lot like the American comics industry, um, where the comics industry has a very similar problem, um, where they have a very particular demographic these days, and there have been efforts to expand that audience, um, some efforts that have succeeded actually extremely well, but ultimately the, um, the sort of the big names and the powers that be in the comics industry still have this idea that their core audience is, um, like straight, straight white dudes in their twenties or thirties. Um, and they often market, still market and make comics toward that demographic. And so they kind of create this endless cycle where they push people out of their audience and then say, oh, see, these people don't want comics, so we'll just double down. Well, okay, the thing about that, I think the proper point of, well, yeah, not really up on the American comics industry, but... uh... Another proper point of comparison would be the uh, the American movie industry, which is about which is 
which is basically its troubles are all about cost structure and risk. And well, I mean, yeah. any sort of entertainment industry that isn't that that's done by big businesses. So it's yeah. why you have so many uh, indie projects now that are succeeding because they've realized that hey, the big guys may be taking the market share, but yeah, there's still people that are interested in stuff that they're not doing. Well, yeah, but but the, but the thing about that and yeah is that. Is basically you can't really predict what's going to be the big, the next big crossover hit. You know, you can't predict it ahead of time because you know, because it's like yeah, and yeah, it's uh yeah. So there, there are definitely comparisons to be made between the um to be to be made with like the major blockbuster studios and also like the AAA game industry, where there are very specific aesthetics and choices they make that are based on uh, making the most money possible out of the mo <clears throat> and the safest way possible or what they believe to be the safest way possible simply because they've gotten themselves into again they've painted themselves into this corner where they have given people this expectation of like everything has to cost the most money and have the most graphics and be the biggest thing so in order to make money back on those expectations that require millions upon millions of dollars to make they also have uh feel they then have to market toward the safest audience which in movies is particularly ironic because actually in the movie industry at least um, the people buying the majority of the tickets are actually women. Well, uh, which I know because I wrote an entire paper on it. Uh, I want to interject something here. I've uh, been listening to this conversation. The, the thing sure. that aggravates me most about present-day Hollywood is they've run out of original ideas, so let's do remakes of remakes of remakes of remakes of remakes. Yeah, that kind of goes into the safety thing and playing on because another very safe thing is playing on the nostalgia that uh, their now older audience has. Yeah, but you know what? It's like, oh, you remember this thing you liked? Here's more of it, but with better graphics. Yeah, the problem is that some of the things they're remaking should have been left dead. Uh, Baywatch, yep. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, <laughs> I still can't believe they made a movie of that. Yeah. I mean, and it, somehow it's apparently even worse than the original Baywatch was. Well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> like, I, I think it's because it tried to be a comedy and the original Baywatch was just like, have some titties. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be honest, the original Baywatch was also fairly comedic. I think the issue with I don't know. I haven't watched the new Baywatch movie. I've but... seen the previews. Don't waste your time or your money. Yeah. I know. Um, I, I'm gonna get trashed over that. But I you think know what? I think we're I think we're getting off track here. Oh yeah, wait, we're getting we're off track. That's why I cut I, in because I, I was... do just want to. Yeah, I do just want to mention that yo that Jumanji remake looks dire. <laughs> oh, you making a bad. Jumanji remake? Yeah, it looks real bad. The premise is that Jumanji is now a video game. Why? And the kids get sucked into a video game. Why does Hollywood have to ruin everything? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so... 
Not I guess that was Centaur. Centaur's worries that kind of transformed into us ranting about the state of the entertainment industry. Which we haven't done kind in a cri- while, so kind that's of, good. Yeah, the state of the entertainment industry kind of kneecapping, it, kneecapping itself through poor decisions. Um, anyway, I'll give this episode a three, I guess. <laughs> I was going to say, is that... Episode one, that is. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, is that kneecapping? Are you sure that's the word you want to use? <laughs> I was just saying, dive <laughs> off into the lava pit. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? What do you give Centaur? No, Naomi. I gave it a three. All right. I did not watch it. All right. Uh, I... Did not get around to watching Shokaku no Altair episode two. I did watch the first one. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty solid, like, fantasy, like historical fantasy series. Like, I'm, I'm digging it so far. I'll probably much watch more. I like that part in episode one where he attacked an army with a whole lot of birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all the birds. Yeah, like he just so he soaks them in what was it like meat juice or something? Yep. Yeah. I can't I can't remember what it was, but yeah, like they'd get covered in like meat juices, and then a bunch of birds show up, attracted by the the meat juices, and what? the army's like, "Oh crap, we're about to get pecked alive by birds." <laughs> this is not going how we thought it yeah, would. That- Scenes like that make Alfred Hitchcock smile in his grave. Yeah. Well, also, he calls yeah. them. He also he calls them with that whistle. Uh, yeah. So, let's see. Uh, well, the the evil. Uh, I'll think of it. The evil bad guy of the week is going to be the same bad guy. It looks like. So we're we're going to start another war, of course. Uh, yeah, they're there basically pulling. Uh, yeah, they're basically pulling the same trick that uh, Russia did with uh, Eastern Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Make make everybody out to be the bad guy, and quick, let's go rescue them before anybody figures it out. Now the problem is, is everybody figured it out, but the wrong party arrived first. Whoops. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So they're. Uh, yeah. So they're. Uh, oh, having read the manga, yeah, I'm uh, definitely pumped for uh, seeing what comes next. Well, does. How do I, it, I, I'm trying to gather my thoughts, and they're being derailed. But that's okay. That that happens occasionally. Um. This is not Arslan, which is good and bad. Uh, it's Arslan-esque, but there's a lot more mystery to it. Yeah, this one gets more into the... Yeah, it gets more into... Like, there's no magic or anything. Uh, you know, but it gets, it gets more into the, like, politics. And it's... it's. I mean, I can understand why the Vizier is like, you know, I want the kid to to succeed and everything and keep from stopping a war because you, you've got people on both sides that are that want a war. They're, they're tired of peace. Oh, gee, because the economy's bad. No, never mind. I didn't hear that. Quick, Ben, bail me yeah. out. Well, 
yeah, well, okay. What, what's happening, at least on the on the Empire side, is that I mean, like this uh, desire for conquest is being driven by the elite of that country, uh, and it's not just it's not about the economy because the thing is, is that I mean, this takes place in a medieval setting where you know where conquering a country actually did you know did increase your strength yeah it counted for something at that time yeah and because uh <clears throat> yeah because uh you know your economic power in uh you know in medieval times came from what you could get from the land or the uh quality of the wetland that you held yeah. You know, if you if right. you had like I had, said, you're right. So, yeah, everybody wants to start a war because they're bored. That that's the bottom line to this, but uh, it's a little deeper than that. Yay, war! Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wait, no. Oh. Well, yeah. What's also what's actually what's sort of interesting is that the. Uh, the emperor of the uh, the Baltarine Empire is sort of skeptical of like you know of like going to war right away. Yeah, he keeps questioning that prime minister of his who is anywhere but being on the up and up. Yeah. But so yeah, so that aspect was sort of interesting because yeah. that's like the thing that. Because the emperor's skepticism is what's keeping, like, the empire from just, like, rolling in with all their soldiers. Well, that's why, uh, uh, that, that's to Dustin. Yeah, I know, I, I just, oh. like, yeah, I saw it and I'm like, now what happened? Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, but oh. yeah, so, uh, I... I really enjoyed this episode. I I'm did. Giving it a, I'm giving it a four. I can give it a four. I, I, I'm kind of with you. I want to see what happens next because uh, there was a lot of uh, build-up to what should happen or could happen. I just want to see if it does happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I can give it a four. Uh, back to you, boss man. All right, let's do listener questions. Uh, so we actually have, uh, well, I guess you want to finish up some stuff for Mark the One here? Because we saved some of it for later, so let's see if we can get through uh, some more of it. Uh, let's see here. I think, uh, uh, I think what was left was mainly the gaming questions. Gaming stuff, yeah. So uh, one of the questions is, what's the most dramatic win we've had online? I, I I just don't play many online game. I don't play many uh, games online. I don't do much PvP, so like, I honestly can't remember. Um, there have there have been a couple Heroes of the Storm games that we've kind of pulled out from the brink of defeat, but I wouldn't really be able to give details. Like, I I don't remember them too well. But um, let's see. Do you think shooter or not? It just feels right to fight online people. <laughs> uh, again, I'm not the person to ask. I'm not a big. I'm not a big PvP guy. Um, I do like 
uh, fighting my friends in fighting games, though. That's real fun. Um, yeah, I, I do really like that because it's it's fun to know that you're mashing and they're mashing and uh, being able to uh, shit talk them at the same time is pretty fun as well. Um, let's see here. I think we already answered the PC versus console thing. Um, oh yeah, have you played all the Dark Souls and what's your thoughts on the game and more specifically the story? Yeah, I have played all the Dark Souls. My thoughts on the game are... How about Neo, Dustin? Oh god, screw Neo. Um, well actually that's not entirely true. I There's things about Neo I really like as well, but that first boss is just a pain in the ass. I... So this, at the risk of having uh, some listeners um, listen, uh, hear this and go and just reflexively say, get good, um, I think it's actually kind of bad to, to see, to like not have any kind of difficulty options in a video game. Um, I get that i don't know i just have serious issues with as much as i like dark souls and i do like it a lot um i the uh, this idea that there seems to be this idea in the dark souls community that everyone plays the dark souls games for the same reason and that reason is because they want to be challenged so they could be feel good about beating a ball busting challenge and that's straight up just not true. Um, I don't play the Dark Souls games for the challenge. I play them because I like the aesthetic of the world. I like the way the stories are told. I like the content of the stories themselves. I like the dialogue. I like the music. Um, I like the way combat feels. Um, I like the way combat is done. In fact, one of the only things I don't like is the difficulty because again it feels very much that kind of as quote-unquote fair as dark souls combat can be and like i get the arguments for it it does feel like it's it's geared toward pushing people away as much as it is um making people feel good about their skills um there is something elitist about the way Dark Souls handled difficulty that I feel is very much brought to light by how that community is formed around it and the way that community argues for it um, and how really toxic and bad the Dark Souls community as a whole can be. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Uh... I love Dark Souls, but also Dark Souls can go to hell. <laughs> well, gee, just tell us how you really feel. Um, I have I have streamed Dark Souls before. Um, these days, I just don't do my streaming in general because I found streaming to be really stressful, honestly. Uh, so I kind of prefer just doing stuff on my own and talking about it later or live tweeting it or things like that being able to react in ways that are that are more relaxing i guess um let's see here 
Uh, what would you want for an isekai, for an isekai uh, anime or manga? This is actually something I've thought about before. Uh, and like I'd honest I'd I'd actually kind of like it if hmm I I don't know. I may pass on this for later cuz I actually really want to think about this cuz I have kind of a kernel of an idea in my head but I want to expand on it. <clears throat> Oh, I can an- I can answer some aspects of this. Yeah, sure. You you go ahead. And okay. I'll mine for next. Week. All right. So uh, one thing about a lot of isekai stories that annoys me is the explicit the explicit reliance on video game tropes. Yeah. And I really wish that like isekai stories would like not do that. Like, that, okay, like, they they should, you know, okay, if they're going to have magic, okay, yeah, they can have spells and stuff, and they can have skills, but, like, they don't need to, like, have, like, numbers for all this crap, <laughs> which a lot I, of things I, do, which a lot of these yeah, things do. It's, simply because of, like, how the isekais initially spawned as, again, like, I'm super good at video games. Wouldn't it be great if I could just live inside the video game? <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's that's definitely something that would be nice, like much less reliance on video game tropes. Um, I guess kind of to get at what I was thinking of, it would be nice if... Similar... And, and part of this is... I guess a little bit similar to how Yojo Senki does it, but it would kind of be nice if an Isekai was used to explore different identities. Like, so when you get reborn, you're not, like, just yourself, but, like, cooler and better. But it's your it's your mind, but in a different set of circumstances that you're not used to. Um, I guess in a way I'm thinking of the start of the Gun Gale Online arc in Sword Art Online where Kirito gets a female avatar and then like there's like... Well no, he's still male, he just looks female. Yeah, he, okay, he looks female. So like he gets a feminine avatar and then for like 10 seconds there's like a glimmer of a commentary on sexism in video games and then that never comes up and and ever again because sword art online is allergic to any kind of thought um but like an isekai that really examined like what it is to be someone other than yourself to take the literal interpretation of walk a mile in someone's shoes would i think be really interesting um to like have someone deal with those issues um i don't know that's something i'd certainly want in my isekai uh yeah i i'd 
don't know. I, I'd have to I'd have to think more more of what I'd want about the setting, but that's kind of like the character arc I'd like to have. So it's less about wow, all these things that made me a loser in real life make me super awesome in this world, and more like all these things that I was used to dealing with in society, that's been flipped around, and now I have to relearn how I interact with the world, simply because I look different now. Um, but yeah, that's that's part of what I would want an Isekai to do. Well, that's the thing, is like, like, Grimgar, I mean, although it had some issues with its execution, it was really good at, it really good at avoiding the, the, uh, like, the power fantasy aspect. Yeah. Gr with Grimgar, it was, it was very, very focused on, oh, yeah, you think you, a video game nerd, would be super great at killing monsters? Yeah, uh-huh, let's see how that would actually work out. <laughs> You would have trouble killing one goblin, and then your friend would die, and it would mess you up. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I did like Grimgar for that reason alone, and that it was almost, like, it was very much a deconstruction of that power fantasy. <laughs> kind of kind of like how, uh, you, you, kind of like how you, every, I'm pretty sure everyone knows that one guy who loves to talk about what he'd do in the zombie apocalypse, and the whole time you're thinking in the back of your head, you would be the first one to go. <laughs> yes. That's that's basically what Grimgar does. It says, yeah, you would be the first ones to go. Um, so yeah, I do appreciate that about Grimgar. Uh... The last question is about shows or manga that are so objectively good that it ruined anime or manga. Uh, I kind of, mm. I guess, I guess in that instance, eccentric family is pretty close because the writing in eccentric family is so like actually legitimately great that it kind of ruins a lot of writing in other anime for me because I'm constantly like, okay, well, if Eccentric Family can do it, then why can't you? Uh, you're trying to say <laughs> you're spoiled? Uh, I mean, on the one hand, yeah, I want to say I'm spoiled, but on the other hand, like, I feel like we should all be... I feel like it, it would be a good thing and a healthy thing for the anime interest industry if we did hold people up, hold all anime up to the writing standards of things like Eccentric Family or uh, Kyoso Giga, you know? Yeah. Uh -huh. Like, why, why shouldn't we hold everything up to higher standards? <laughs> um well, I can anyway. I, I can be a little snotty and say you know uh, higher standards means that somebody has to work a little harder too, and a lot of this stuff yeah. recently has can't just been, have that. <laughs> a lot of this stuff recently has kind of been um, half-handed, sloppy. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not naming names. Yeah. I won't. I mean, anyway. But, uh, yeah. I think that'll do it for the mark the one questions. Um, it, at least the ones that I think we kind of wanted to answer and that we haven't answered already before. Um, so let's move on to Dayriff, um, who uh, has a fairly lengthy one, but it's good. So 
this isn't meant as a complaint since I know you're busy and get the podcast edited when you have time, but I think some of the reduction questions slash comments is due to the delay between the podcast being recorded and, recorded and released. I tend to be reluctant to comment on things that you might have had another two or three episodes to discuss, but I'll drop a few comments on shows from prior and new seasons. Yeah, I definitely sort of already assumed that that was part of the reason. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm working on getting that fixed uh, in uh, very shortly. Uh, My Hero Academy. Gran Torino is Yoda. He is explicitly a Yoda homage, and I believe the manga author has admitted as such. Uh, also, you may or may not catch that Gran Torino calls All Might by his real name, Toshinori. I actually did not. I actually did forget about that. I, um, I, I think I, I initially... I caught that. Yeah, I think I initially noticed it and then just, like, kind of glossed over it. <laughs> Switch off. Um... The biggest surprise to me from Rage of Bahamut Virgin Soul is that this season made John of Arc an actual compelling character, and I've been enjoying the way she and Nina form a pretty great duo. Nina for muscles, John for brains. Oh, and you were talking about Rita and Kaiser's relationship in 323. Just to remind you from the first season, but Rita's whole deal is that she feels incredibly indebted to Kaiser for breaking her out of an eternal delusion of living with her zombie puppet parents. Oh right, I forgot about that episode from the first season. I forgot that that was her deal. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say Kaiser is the only thing she cares about, since she seems to have formed some genuine friendships, but Rita cares about Kaiser a whole lot. Notice how she instantly abandoned Nina and John so she could go back and try to help Kaiser out. On the new show's front, Princess Principal is a stylish spy thriller where they made all the main characters cute cute schoolgirls because anime. Made in Abyss has a really unique art style and some great character interaction and stylish setting. It's another season of Symphogear AXZ, and it's as crazy stupid fun as ever. Has anyone made Dustin watch the first six minutes of Symphogear Season 3? Because that's what typically seems to be used to explain what's appealing about the show distilled down into a few minutes. Dustin, please go to Crunchyroll and go to Symphogear GX Episode 1. Watch the first six minutes. It's still one of the most over-the-top amazing anime scenes I've ever seen. I will make sure to do that for the next episode. In fact, I may... I may see if I can get Luke to watch it with me. No promises, but I'll try. Um, I think Luke was Luke was on a road trip uh, this week, um, but uh, well, not this whole week, but for like the past couple of days, so he was kind of busy. Uh, but yeah, I'll see what I can do. Um, Knights and Magic blazed through the first book in a couple of episodes, but I guess they wanted to get all the boring setup stuff out of the way as quickly as possible to get to the selling point of the series. The part where the protagonist gets to design his own awesome magic giant robots and use them to fight. It's a power fantasy series as as so many isekai are, but at least the power fantasy of I want to build awesome giant robots feels a little more ambitious and fresh than most, uh, most such power fantasies. Uh, okay... I saw the first To be fair, yeah, I want to build awesome giant robots is a power fantasy I can get behind a lot more readily than I want to bang all the hot chicks. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, okay, as far as uh, Simple Gear, uh, yeah, I saw the first episode of AXZ, and yes, like, the story and the characters, same old crazy stupid fun. The singing, much worse. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, I, to be I honest, was, like I, was, uh, I never really figured Simple Gear's high point was the singing. No, oh, that, that's the was, problem. No, that was the selling point. 
Oh, that's the no, problem. Really? Is that oh. yes? Because the uh, because uh, the previous seasons, like, like actually part of their shtick is that all the characters are like, like, and like the voice actresses who play them are like real, honest to god singers. So like, oh, yeah, you know, they actually have they actually have real musical training. Um, and and when they go into battle, they sing, and it helps them, and it powers them up. The problem and, is, is there's a new singing style for this series that is classical, <clears throat> and it's just does not. It's too slow to keep up with the anime. They say they say classical. I say screechy and out of tune. Uh, well, you call it what you will, but no, that's that's the problem. Uh, you have to listen to the first couple seasons, but this is this is something that I'll discuss later. But yeah, it's it, it's a it's I, I found it. I don't want to say exceptionally annoying, but disheartening. There's the word I'm looking for. Disheartening. Yeah. Also, fun thing. Another thing about Princess Principal is that yeah, the characters are not actually schoolgirl age. Uh, in like. Yeah, in fact, that was a that was a point in uh, in episode two, like uh, Ange actually points out to Dorothy that she's uh, twenty years old, mm-hmm. but she's pretending she's pretending to be a schoolgirl. So, yeah, they're cute, but they're actually adults pretending to be schoolgirls. young adults. Well, I I think I, I think it was more the fact that I mean, also it's anime. 20. Let's be honest here. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, I pretty much agree with all of that, um, like, other than Simple Gear, obviously, because I haven't watched that yet, but uh, I'm going to, I mean, yeah. you asked me to, so, yeah, by like... podcast law, I must. <laughs> well, just make sure when you watch Simple Gear that, uh, You've got the volume adjusted at a comfortable level before they start singing, because if you've got it turned up to hear the sounds good, because if you've got it turned up to hear the dialogue, uh, you're not going to forgive any of us. (laughs) All right. Anyway, that'll be it for this episode of Bogacast. I'm tired. Okay. I'm so tired. I need. We need to start cutting shows because this is getting ridiculous. Uh, oh no wait a minute it's not one o'clock like it was last week so we're doing good Ugh. well i think we can probably cut yokai apartment uh 18f and vatican and center yeah so let's let's talk about so the things we'll talk about next week are hero academy virgin soul apocrypha hell girl do you want to talk about 18f well I'll get. I get. I can keep it on for one more yeah. week. Princess um, Principal. Yeah. I mean, we we can decide once we yeah. watch the episode if it's worth I'll, talking about. Yeah. Or not. I'll send it. Well, I'll send out some emails. Okay, that's good because I can. Well, I can hear your. No, I can, no one wants. No one wants to listen to this. <laughs> I, I I can hear your mind slowly grinding to a stop. Anyway. Uh-huh. Fair enough. Anyway, so uh, yeah. You can find uh, you can send <laughs> questions or comments to us at www.projecttarhi.net 
or at www.audioentropy.com. Ben. Dustin. Three, two, one. Kiribosh. Yeah, I hope y'all have been enjoying anime and staying away from terrestrial television because you will have a much happier life. Goodbye.